Welcome to the fifth on KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM's news radio department. My name is Zachary Jones Naray, and today I'll be your host for the show that will take you behind the scenes of your favorite local college bands and Eugene's unique and vibrant musical culture. And join us as we dive into the origins, inspirations, and stories that have become the foundation to Eugene's up-and-coming bands as you explore their journey off and on the stage. And today, I'll be interviewing Hearing Loss, a collection of UO students, musicians, and of course, good friends, consisting of Jackson Quickstad, Julian Galindo, Nay Withrich, and Jack Baker. And the band have been deeply embedded in the student house show scene for the past two years. After officially forming in the spring of 2021, they firmly established themselves as one of the leading psychedelic funk rock bands in town. And today, they spoke about their journey as musicians and what it takes to be a band in the one and only Eugene, Oregon. And of course, you know, the perks of being in a college band is that there's the inevitable mix of students, friends, musicians, and every other character that belongs here kind of wedged together. And all of you have mentioned that you've been playing together since the spring of 2021. So I'm wondering whether you could give me a little chronological recap on what that formation originally looked like and how it came to this point. Julian and I went to high school together, played music together in a band before we came to college. When I came to college, he was a year older than me, and I wanted to start a band. So we kind of started playing together. And then Jack started to play with us. We did, I think, one show in the fall of 2021. We didn't have a name. We just played a, a random show. And then we played another show with the name Hearing Loss in spring of that year. And then we got Nate because originally Julian played drums for our first show and I played guitar. And then we had Nate on drums. And then from there, it just kind of progressed. Um, and then played some shows over summer back in California with two of our other friends from back home who kind of step in and do guitar or bass and yeah we've been playing a lot of shows over spring and i've had the pleasure of having us all kind of put our different sounds together because i guess when we started out we had a lot of strange sound ideas we would play funk songs and then metal songs and then some covers and then some originals but i had a lot of time to like sit and think what do i want us to sound like and you know, come up with music that would be more aligned to like a, a singular or like a couple genres as opposed to just playing random covers. I think amidst the different house shows and live performances, a lot of bands are able to foster a very certain ambiance. And obviously Eugene has been defined by heavy patronage to grunge rock and the mosh pit mentality. And, and what strikes me is how Hearing Loss actually maintains a really strong psychedelic funk vibe that has evolved but still remains true to its origins. So whether it's your music or your album art, which by the way is brilliant, there is a cohesive structure to your music and performance that I think shows a different kind of artistic maturity to what image you'd like to have. So feels like a reflection of your own journey rather than what category you represent in that grander landscape of college bands. And on top of that, I find that many bands go through some pretty radical transformations, you know, whether it's new members or the end of the so-called honeymoon phase. I'd really love to know what the musical process is like, and with all that being said, what does hearing loss look like from the inside? 
music wise and recording wise like i i make all the music and like i write all the originals and i record everything like drums and bass and keys and whatnot and then i teach it to these guys so we didn't play any shows in fall of last year so i had a lot of time to just like write music i was able to kind of i don't know experiment a lot with different recording techniques and writing styles and um, by the time january came around and we finally started getting some shows booked i taught it to them and compared to what we sounded like last spring and this spring it's way different it's way mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i think the sounds definitely evolved a lot especially over like the summer and you know even just like you saying because we didn't do many shows last fall at all right. so the sound kind of evolved it definitely sounds like a lot of the other bands i've spoken to where there was this kind of bizarre covid you know incubation period of sorts and I'm sure that's a pretty tough process to put all those pieces together. And I'm just kind of wondering, how is it that you guys manage the creative burden and role of sorts? And how does everyone collaborate with each other in a way that reflects everyone's values? And what's that creative process like? And once you position an idea, how do you guys necessarily jam together? Yeah, well, I mean, for me, it's pretty straightforward just because I don't play a very like, tonal instrument. So I have a lot of freedom to kind of have a lot of creativity. And I'm going to be real, like Jackson kind of just lets me do whatever I want, but like within reason, within reason to what he's doing. Just uh, like obviously. song form. Yeah, yeah and form. And, and like if there's a specific fill or something that he wants in there, like I'll try to incorporate that to my best ability. But for the most part, I mean, I just kind of do a lot of kind of like funk, more kind of jazz type of drumming. So that's definitely kind of my influence for sure. And I kind of just like apply that in my own way, let that happen for sure. I would say for me, like as a saxophone player, I will listen more than anything at first, like when we're first rehearsing songs and like try to like almost go like in my own corner and like play and like see what sounds good over what's happening. A lot, most of what I do with the saxophone anyway is improvise. So finding what bodes well with whatever given song we're doing. Jackson usually teaches me the song. I play it, you know, I see what pedals I like, what settings I like, try to mesh with Nate, with Jack, with Jackson. Basically, I just play so that it sounds good with the band. You know? two have a little more history together considering you both went to high school so I'm kind of wondering was there a stage where the group had to have different conversations about how to collaborate with each other because I'd assume that with more years more experience you two just know each other like that and the way that you two work with each other must be much more naturalistic so when you have new members new styles what does that dialogue look like between you and, and I'm also curious once you've answered this question how does that dialogue look like at a live performance because I think that's obviously a very different one and when the band is confronted with an issue whether it's creative or the logistics of a house show how do you guys work together to tackle that julian and i played in a punk emo band before we came where i drummed and he played guitar and it was all had two drummers right we had two drummers mm -hmm. yes yeah, uh, i was one of them and so before hearing loss it was kind of a hearing loss type of band where this dude jake wrote all the music and then taught it to us so that gave me a lot of the experience of like being in that kind of band and having to like teach others your music and having to take music that you've written or recorded and translate it to 
a live performance because there's plenty of things that we play in regards to like recorded music that we have like originals that are different live than they are recorded. Some songs we play a lot faster. Some songs we just, we change the structure or we play things differently just because certain things sound different live. Um, and especially, you know, when we talk about, you know, when we're rehearsing, it is certainly like very collaborative because I have, you know, the ideas of how I want the song to sound like structure wise or sonic wise, like pedals or different, you know, modes or whatever. But, you know, Nate and Julian and Jack have their own ideas about how things should sound live. So Jack, you know, definitely has like many lines that he plays that I didn't come up with. Julian has different styles that he plays that I didn't come up with. Nate has, you know, drum lines that he came came up with for my songs that, you know, I didn't come up with. But when we play it live, it's, you know, we all kind of have a certain idea of how it sounds live versus what I think it should sound, which how we how we all play it live, in my opinion, sounds a lot better. It's great to collaborate. So I just think we're lucky that we all sonically, I think we all mesh really well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, definitely. I feel like there's rarely issues and we all get along. You yeah. know? There's never really issues. I yeah. think we all respect each other's ideas and do our thing. And I'm wondering as well, how has being in Eugene affected your music? Because I think that there are we're in a very condensed kind of grunge era right now, but I think there's a widening diversity in terms of what kind of music is being presented to the audiences, and I think it's been interesting to see it tie in as well with new wave of students, new wave of social life, post-COVID, and but much more of a dive into the areas of influence, so I'm wondering, how has hearing loss really felt the support or the lack of from the community? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's interesting, I mean, obviously I haven't been in Eugene for so long uh, because, you know, I'm in my sophomore year, but I've noticed that there's a very big push for kind of alt rock and like indie music and you don't see a lot of kind of funk groups out here. And I think what's super dope about hearing loss is um, we're able to like kind of blend genres a lot and we take a lot of influences from different things, whether it's jazz or funk or psych rock or whatever. And I think that's something that's really cool about this group is we can kind of blend that so we're not really necessarily locked into one genre or another. I think that's something that we we do that's pretty unique and that you don't see a lot of other groups doing out here for sure. Of course, I was pretty surprised when I came to Eugene originally, but it does offer a pretty amazing selection of college bands and a music scene, you know, and with some of them having some pretty bizarre and yet similar backgrounds, whether it's from Oakland or even Texas. And I know you guys toured in Oakland over the summer, and I would love to know more about how playing at the Gilman Bar, which of course is pretty iconic for those of us listening to Operation Ivy, and the kind of punk scene of that era. So I'm wondering, how was it to perform on that stage? You know, a lot of these bands we listened to originally funny enough, started off in college. So I want to know how it felt to play in a place that was a start for another college band and what that makes you think about for the future. Yeah, um, that was a show that me and Julian and I got to do. Uh, Nate and Jack weren't there, unfortunately. What I taught the other drummer to play was basically what Nate had been playing. So uh, he was there in spirit, but it was cool. It was uh, definitely an experience playing there. One of like the first big, bigger venues that we've played at. And just playing in Oakland and the Bay Area in general is a lot different than playing in Eugene. Eugene has like a huge house show scene, but you know, to really play in like bars or venues like that, you have to be more established and have to have a bigger fan base. But back in Oakland and San Francisco and Sausalito, we were able to go out and, you know, 
people would ask us to play at bars or, you know, the Gilman or just at random places. And uh, it's a much different crowd, much different like people and music scene with the bands that we were playing with back there versus up here. Personally, I like playing up here a little bit better just because mm. I like house shows. I like kind of the community that comes and you see people that you see all the time. Yeah. You know, you're like, hey, like I know you and mm. um, you hang out in somebody's house and just play music for people. And as opposed to playing in a bar where you might get four or five people to come and watch you play. Yeah, and I think I think there's a really interesting element and certain nexus point between what artists are trying to create and what kind of audience are trying to bring to the table. And for the college band scene, so many of us are kind of yearning for another activity that doesn't implicate Rennies or Maxes or whatever you do on the weekend, which is why the house show scene, for me at least, feels like such an important venue for those who wish to diverge from the average college activity and for them to be also feel like they're in a safe space. And the culture and rituals around it are really interesting. So I'm wondering how each of you encounter the house show scene by yourself and Eugene for the first time and how that's impacted your musical career now. I mean, the first house shows I played at a fraternity, which I'm currently a member of, but in a weird way, playing in front of people that I know to me is more scary than playing in front of people I don't know. I feel like they judge your music maybe, I don't know. But I think that was definitely going just straight off the edge, you know, just diving in, playing in front of people I know, playing our music for people that hadn't heard it before, that know me, and then Honestly, since then, it's just been easier to play. Um, you know, if people don't like our music, that's their problem. And I like what we make, so, you know, I like sharing it with people. You know, within that statement, it also feels like there was maybe a time when those opinions meant more to you. But do you know when that moment hit that the validation from others and the moment you realized you actually didn't need it for your own performance sake? I don't know. Feeling like what the music we're making is dope. You know, it's it's good music. I like it. And I know I hope, I hope other people like it, too. You know, yeah. after you play enough shows like it, it does. You don't get as nervous. You still get nervous. If you're not nervous, I think there's a problem. But mm, for sure. And, you know, of course, with every live gig comes a set of problems that can arise, whether it's a sound tech or a rowdy crowd or temperamental weather and then one and only Eugene Oregon. Can you recount to us a moment where things happened that weren't supposed to and how the band as a collective got through that? It depends on what show. I mean, I remember we played with, with Common Koi and Verbatim and Rock Show in, I think, April. Mm. And I usually don't get super nervous before we, you know, we play, but I remember I was doing, like, the door there and I was having people give me money and whatnot and I was just sitting there listening to other bands play and I'm like I'm I was like scared shitless to play because <laughs> I was a massive crowd that came we did not expect that many people oh at my, that show it was like 30 it was minutes very away far away it was, yeah. yeah and uh I don't know I think we played well but I mean even then I was I got up there and like putting all my gear on the ground I was like shaking I was super scared yeah because like at first it's an uncomfortable thing just presenting yourself in front of a crowd of people you've never met before but like it's just like with anything the more you do it the more exposure to it like the more comfortable you get so at a certain point it's more of like looking forward to those nerves it's like an adrenaline rush almost definitely yeah and along that topic what I also wonder for each of you is you all spoke about the chronology of the band as a collective but as individuals how has your journey been with music and how did it come to this point where you're performing on stage well, both of my parents are musicians. My mom's a band teacher. My dad does art and stuff for a living. So music was always kind of like mandatory for me. I always had to play it. You know, I used to throw tantrums. <laughs> like, I don't, don't want to play piano recitals. I don't want to do guitar. 
And they're like, you're going to thank us later when you're like in college. You want to thank them live on air? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, parents. Aww. Yeah, because, you know, I wouldn't get the opportunity to play in a band and do all these cool things. I never stuck with it. So, uh, yeah. So for me, I kind of always liked I was never my parents, neither of them are musicians. They never really wanted to sign me up for lessons or anything. But I we had a piano at my house growing up and I would always just like tickle the keys a little bit and uh <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard so much i'm sorry <laughs> but yeah so i just like kind of just mess around <laughs> and find my own thing that i enjoyed and then eventually that developed into me wanting to like find another instrument so i picked up the saxophone in like sixth or seventh grade i never really liked the idea of doing school bands so like i never did that i just took lessons until until like high school and then i just really wanted to be with a group of people so i started doing jazz and stuff like that and just i now i'm at the point where i just any jazz band that i can possibly like play with i want to be able to do it it's just like so fun to just share creative ideas with different musicians i've been playing drums probably since i was around five i try to think like what really prompted it i think i was gifted a drum by like a neighbor back when i lived in dc from there, I basically, yeah, I just picked it up. I started taking lessons probably when I was around like six or seven. Stuck with that for a while. Middle school was kind of whack, really bad music program. And then once I got to high school, I started kind of involving myself in the music department a lot more. I started jazz band. I started doing drumline, marching band, concert percussion, all that kind of stuff. And from there, it kind of just took off. And uh, I started a band in my senior year of high school with some friends. And yeah, I mean, I just just kind of been playing drums for a while and it's just what I love to do so it just brings me joy. I started playing guitar when I was I don't know I think six ish. I did that for a while and right when I got into high school his mom who was my music teacher made me learn bass because I wanted to play guitar <laughs> in, in high school but I wasn't good enough so she said all right you're gonna play bass guitar so I learned bass guitar I learned some theory and then I was learning drums as well at the same time. My senior year I think I started trying to record music with my computer and whatnot and it all sounded awful but I did it for long enough for like a year year and a half where I started to make some like some better music and my writing got better and then yeah I was in college and I was like I want to play music with people and you know play my music live and so I got with these guys yeah it's been great and was that like a flyer out on every wall you could possibly see or was it just you know word of mouth just word of mouth I the people from Funk Your Mother mm. introduced me to him, Julian and I had already kind of wanted to be in a band and they were friends. So we all just kind of met, I guess by circumstance, but felt felt right to happen. It wasn't like me going and searching for, you know, a group of people and- Sort of just fell into place, yeah. honestly, yeah. a lot of it. Cause like, I remember when we started Funk Your Mother, we were looking for a bassist and we went to the show, the first show for hearing loss and we found Jackson and we were like, yeah, that'd there be cool go. if you joined Funk Your Mother. And from there, it just kind of fell into place. You know, aside from the student body, I think we're also incredibly lucky to live in a certain mecca of musical and creative talent smack in the middle of Oregon. So I'm wondering how it feels to work alongside such talented neighbors and the wider Eugene community. I don't know, just being around like our old, me and Jackson's old band, Kilroy Rogers, that gave me a lot of ideas. I wasn't too familiar with punk or anything to do with that, but Jake is super enthusiastic about it and he got me into it, you know, introduced me to a lot of different styles. Seeing the bands we play with introduces me to different styles, just listening to new music. My dad 
makes weird art i look at that <laughs> that inspires me yeah i don't know honestly just being a part of the music scene like seeing what other people are listening to taking ideas and going off of that and you know the saying it takes a village resonates really deeply in this town we're surrounded by artists and creatives and a community that is constantly churning something up and so that being said i'm wondering you know what is your village what are the bands or the people that have helped you get here and how have you felt the support when it comes to collaborating in eugene in general a lot of my friends that also make music give me compliments about it. I think people who appreciate underground music and appreciate very DIY stuff can appreciate like the effort that it takes to not only start a band, but to like write music and then record it and produce it. Because it takes a lot of time as opposed to me going to like a studio and uh, you know, dropping $200 to record a bunch of stuff, you know, sitting in my girlfriend's basement and recording shit on, her, on my drums and cl clipping it all together, trying to make it sound as good as possible on like a, you know, laptop you know it's it's definitely a process but i've come to appreciate like so much of the diy music in eugene because of that like you know eweb dropped an ep like last year and i remember i saw them for the first time last year and i was like blown away and then to find out they made that whole album just by themselves like blows my mind Obviously, it's great to see the album and the final product, but frankly, what I really want to see is the months it took to get there. You know, and that's why I started the show in the first place is because it's not your everyday thing to say, I'm going to get with some friends while being a student in school and make an album and start performing live on a weekly basis. You know, we're so lucky to be surrounded by so many talented people, but it's almost become too normal in my opinion. So... Of course, what you did is a great achievement. And so along the topic of discussing what happens on stage, I'd love to know what music means for you off of it. Is it a form of therapy? And how does that play into the themes that you use for your onstage presence? I don't know. Music means a lot to me. It's it's like every day, you know. I can't walk to class if I don't have music in my headphones. It's not the same. Real. It's like a soundtrack. It just means a lot. I love music, art, everything that comes along with it. Music videos, album covers, everything. It's just, I mean, I was raised on it, so it's like, very involved in music and keeping up with it. It's hard to explain what it means. It's kind of like, I don't know what life would be like without music. And does it feel different when you're performing for yourself and your bandmates versus, you know, per se, an audience or a crowd? Getting response yeah, from yeah, a group definitely. of people is yeah. a different experience, you know, yeah. just like seeing how people respond to it. I feel like you're playing for your yourself when you're rehearsing and like trying to make it sound, sound as good for you. But when you're playing live, you really have to like see, okay, like what are what are people liking to hear yeah. sound wise? Like what can we change in the moment? And uh, I don't know, it's a different process. And you're, even if, you know, I've had plenty of shows where I thought that I haven't played that well. And then people have been like, nah, like you played amazing. Like you played super well. Playing live, you're not so much playing for yourself for your own satisfaction, but just more so like all these people just paid like seven bucks to get in this dude's backyard. And, you know, we're going to put on a good show. Yeah, I would say it's a very welcoming environment. I feel like anyone who goes to a house show, like, you'll feel welcome. You know what I mean? Like everyone is just there to have a good time and enjoy live music so at the end of the day it's a welcoming environment yeah i mean everybody's there just to hear music they're that's what they're paying to do so everybody's just having a good time no judgment really just wanting to hear what everybody has to perform it's super welcoming just i mean even if it's not really your kind of thing if you go to a house show the people there are going to welcome you it doesn't matter who you are like what gender like no it doesn't matter anything like they they will accept you with open arms. It's very tight knit. Everybody knows each other. Everybody's friendly. And that's what I really appreciate, honestly. Yeah, definitely.
So I know you've played on almost every DIY venue in town, and of course you've not played at the iconic Wild Hall. Are there any venues or specific locations that are on the highlights of the bucket list for upcoming gigs? Matthew Knight Arena. Matthew That's Knight all Arena. I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. That's Matthew all Knight I'm going to say. Um, we just like playing with our friends, other friends' bands, anywhere that's like that in my eyes, which is wherever. You know, we love playing music. We love playing live music. You know, if we get to play with bands that we know and that we've played with before, that's even better because we're friends with them. In terms of like a venue, I don't really know. Yeah, Matthew Knight would be crazy, you know, all that. But uh, if we get to play venue where even like one person shows up to watch us, that's that's awesome. Just give him an amp and a microphone and yeah, you're set. Exactly. Another Wow Hall Perfect. show would be also pretty cool. Wow Hall. We just yeah. had a we should just had a show at Wow Hall and that was our first show yes. there. So love wow that Hall is awesome. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's really fascinating that all of you have a more traditional background in music than perhaps the average. And as a listener and a fan of Hearing Loss, that lineage of classical music shows through your work. Whether it's jazz, funk, or rock, your image and your 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 music does kind of contrast heavily to the underground and DIY music scene, which tends to, I would argue, distance itself pretty aggressively from those genres. It's sort of a musical rebellion, you could say. And yet, through your shows, I think there's a clear homage and mix of all these backgrounds that doesn't really require a thrashing mosh pit or an acoustic overdose to enjoy the moment. So I'd love to hear more about the philosophy behind and ethos behind hearing loss. I like making stuff in terms of art, like music or lyrics or art that's you can like attribute any kind of meaning to it. So when I came up with Hearing Loss, we just needed a band name and I didn't want something that already had some sort of music, you know, idea stuck to it. Like I didn't want to be called like, you know, super psych rock boys. I I just, I like music and like lyrics and even band names that you can kind of, you can hear them and not have an idea of what they're about. And you can attribute your own meaning to them. So I don't know, you could be like, oh, have you heard this band Hearing Loss? And you have no idea, you know, what their music is. You know, you hear a band name like, I don't know, Megadeth. And you, you know, you're like, you know, or a band like, I don't know, like Funk Your Mother. Funk Your Mother, like we played funk. We played R&B and jazz. So it's very like the genre is in the name. I like being able to just have music as a medium and have people be able to like listen to it and attribute whatever kind of meaning they want to lyrics. Like my lyrics have like pretty much no meaning. They're just like cool things that like I rhyme. Like, <laughs> I, I just I like this is a cool word. I want to rhyme with this word. And then. You know, if you listen to it, you're like, attribute to something in my life. Great. You got extra meaning out of the music. Unfortunately, this brings us to our last and traditional question before I kick you out of the studio. <laughs> Any last words for those listening and the fans out there? Hearing loss is for the people. Hearing yeah. loss is yes, for the people. Yeah. We are for the people. We love the house show scene. We try our best not to be pretentious, douchebag musicians. Um, <laughs> like, because, you know, I see a lot of people in, not necessarily in this music scene, but, you know, across the world that, you know, they try to have music be like this high pedestal that like they sit on and they think they're better than everybody else because they play like music and they know like uh, I know it like a half diminished chord is and like all, all this all this shit. It just uh you know we make music because we like making music we're not out here to you know make a bunch of money or do anything like that we just we enjoy playing music I enjoy writing music and you know King Lass's band for the people by the people um you know we love democracy we love freedom 
Um, you know, we love peace and love, spread love and positivity. That's pretty much it. Yeah, do you guys have anything? I mean, we love peace. Like, I like, I like peace. peace, world peace, you know, universal peace. Peace wherever. Galactic peace. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for tuning into The Fifth, the show that explores the origins and stories that created your favorite local college bands and the one and only Eugene, Oregon. And airing on KWVA, Eugene 88.1 FM's news radio department, this podcast will also be featured on the Line Magazine's digital website. Once again, my name is Zachary Jones-Array, I was your host for today, and as always, it was a privilege and a pleasure. Until next time.